Good morning, church. Let's stand to our feet. Let's praise Jesus in this place.
praise Jesus Church.
Jesus, we hail you, Lord. Amen. Church, you may be seated for a moment. So we're going to be partaking in communion here in just a minute. But if you came in and you did not receive the elements, our deacons are in the back and they have some elements. You just slip up your hand and they'll bring you the elements. Anybody need the elements this morning? Okay, I think we're good. Um, and so as we come to a special time to reflect and to remember Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us, I'm reminded of the scripture that it says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And as we remember and reflect on Christ's sacrifice, I also remember that the scriptures instruct us that to be careful not to partake in the Lord's Supper in a way that's unworthy. And for us, that we believe that that means that if we don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, then as we get ready to partake, I ask for you just to abstain. Uh, for us, as we think about Christ's on the cross and his sacrifice. To not have accepted him as our Lord and Savior is not to put our trust in him, to fully understand the sacrifice that he made for us would be to partake in an unworthy manner. And so before we partake here in just a few seconds, I want us to take a moment, and I, I like to think of it like this, as we prepare our hearts, one is we should have a heart of repentance as we come before the Lord and we think about the sacrifice that he made on the cross which should draw us to a place in our lives to submit under to him and to confess those areas in our life maybe where we are not walking with him or not honoring him and so as we have a time of reflection I encourage you to have some repentance in your life and some time with the Lord but also that it would be a time of reflection to reflect on his sacrifice to reflect on the life that he has called you and I to live in faith in him and as you reflect on your life, if there are parts of your life that you haven't fully surrendered over to him, or if there's some ways that are not honoring to him, take that before the Lord and surrender it to him. But the last thing that I would say as we prepare our hearts is we remember. We remember our savior who went to the cross for our behalf. That he was without sin, but he bore our sin and our shame and he took it to the cross. Not that he deserved it, not that he earned it, but he did it for us so that we might be righteous. And so church, in the quietness of this moment, will you, will you repent? Will you reflect? And will you remember just for a moment before we partake? Let's take a moment just to pray. in that top layer of your communion packet there. I will read the scripture here in a minute, but I ask that you would wait and we'll partake together as a body.
scriptures say that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. And after giving thanks, he said this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, the pain, the suffering that you endured on our behalf, God, you willingly took upon yourself because you loved us. And so this morning we say thank you, Lord Jesus. We say thank you that your body was broken on our behalf. And God, we remember and we worship and we give thanks for your sacrifice on our behalf. And so Lord, we say we love you you're deserving all worship and honor and glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may partake. If you will open up the second part of your communion with the cup. Scriptures say that after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed on our behalf. We know that as scriptures say that there cannot be any forgiveness or remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And Jesus, you were that sacrifice. You were the sacrificial lamb who shed his blood on our behalf, but you were the perfect sacrifice. And because of your sacrifice, we can know forgiveness, that we can experience hope and restoration and healing through the cross. And it was only because of what you did, Lord Jesus. It's only because of the blood that you shed. So Lord, we give thanks and we remember and we reflect and we worship you for your goodness and your sacrifices. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may partake. Scriptures say that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he shall one day return again. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Let's continue in worship this morning. Let's stand together, church. Let's continue to worship. Amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood, wholeheartedly. My soul deserving, and God, you're so good. Sing with your heart, God, you're so good, and God, you're so good, you're so good. 
Church, we are so glad that you are joining with us today for worship. Uh, my name is Julia. I'm the young adult minister here. And I want to say, if this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome. We are so happy to see you. Hopefully, someone greeted you on the way in. We have a special gift for you at our welcome desk. So stop on by, say hello, let us know where you're visiting from, um, and come get your bag because you don't want to miss out on that. But you can also uh, text us and you can text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word connect. That will pull up our digital connect card. And whether this is your first time or you've been with us for a while, you can send prayer requests that way, life updates. We pray over those each and every week. So um, it's a great way to be connected with the body of the church. You can also text that same number and text the word news. That will pull up our digital bulletin so you know what is going on in the life of the church throughout the week. A few things that we have going on. 
you can stop by in the atrium. Our women's ministry is hosting an event on February 25th, and you ladies do not want to miss it. So stop by, say hello, ask them all about it, and get signed up. You want to be there on February 25th for the ladies' event that's happening. Also, if you have a child and you would like to um, be a part of our baby dedication, that is coming up on February 26th, and you will need to reach out to our children's ministry team to get registered for that. And anyone in here who has a middle schooler or a high schooler, I have good news for you. You can get rid of them for a weekend. March 3rd through 5th is Impact Weekend, and you do not want your student to miss out on this. It's an important time for them to not only grow in community together, but also to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And if you have teenagers, I'm sure you're ready to get them out of the house for a few days anyways. So you do not want to miss out on that, middle schoolers and high schoolers. If you've noticed, we have a bit of construction going on. Every week, I can't wait to see what the progress looks like out in our back parking lot. But um, sometimes we can look at construction as a nuisance, as a problem. But I want to let you know our church sees it as a possibility, as the promise of what God is doing here on this campus. And we are so thankful that you have partnered with us to be a part of the vision that God has placed on Anastasia Church. And with that, will you please turn your attention to the screen? We'll get some updates. Church family, the Lord has blessed Anastasia way more than we deserve. He has placed us prominently in this location here on A1A uh, for over 50 years. And as he's placed us in this location, he's also given us a vision. He's given us a vision to reach families, to, to support parents in discipling their children. And in order to do that, we feel like the Lord is leading us in this God-sized task to construct a family ministry center and an activity center in order to better accomplish this ministry. I'd like to remind us all what we're doing, what this task is. And so let's take a glimpse of what the Lord has laid in front of us. We plan to build a new three-story family ministry center. It will replace our old and dated children's spaces and Anastasia student ministry buildings. Therefore, these single-story buildings will be removed once the new building is completed. The new three-story family center will more than replace the original square footage. Plus, we'll add more parking with over 100 new spaces where the old buildings once sat. This is all designed to be the most efficient use of the space available on our property and allow us to present a fresh and new campus entry that is welcoming to our growing community. Around the back of the Family Center, you'll notice our new administrative offices and rooftop fellowship area. One great feature of the offices is that all of the ministry and admin staff will be in one collaborative space with a common entrance into the building. On the rooftop, our Anastasia students, college ministry, and other group events can be held here in this unique outdoor setting. Now let's go inside. On entering the lobby, you'll see a bright, colorful space that's fun and inviting. There'll be a state-of-the-art check-in area that has been designed to provide the most secure environment possible for drop-off and pickup of our Anastasia kids. 
These spaces will also function for Anastasia Academy during the week. Kids worshiping together will be a blast in this room. There'll be lots of space, video screens, lights, and sound for an incredible space that is fun and designed for learning about the Lord. And finally, check out this new activity center. It'll be for everyone. We can hold sporting events like basketball and volleyball here. This will also serve as a gathering space for large fellowships and roundtable meals with the rest of our church family. What an amazing time it is to be a part of Anastasia Church for generations to come. I want to say thank you for your partnership up to this point. If you've been joining with us and partnering with us financially in the For Generations to Come effort, I want to say thank you. Uh, your involvement is very, very important. And then if you're new to Anastasia, I want to give you an invitation to pray and consider how the Lord would use you to join us in this God-sized task. Uh, every donation, every contribution to the For Generations to Come effort is so very important. And as we gather together in this large effort, we know that God will finish what he started, he will be glorified, and he will accomplish his work through us. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to look out and see all of you here this morning, bright-eyed and ready to hear the word of God and to fellowship and worship our Lord and Savior. If you were here with us last weekend, uh, either on campus or online, you'll recall that we announced that this starting this Sunday and going through the entire month of February, this will be our third year actually celebrating our public launch of our Four Generations to Come Faith campaign. And each February, we have been designated as fruit offering month. And what that means is, is that we're encouraging everybody to come alongside and join in our efforts to fulfill God's vision. And I wanted to give you an update exactly where we stand today as through last weekend, you, through your faithfulness and your stepping out in faith to fulfill God's vision, you have given thus far $5,447,814, almost $5.5 million. That is a significant amount, and thank you again for your faithfulness, but it's significant because it's almost getting us to where our goal is. Our goal, so everyone is fully aware, from 12 months from today, when we have our certificate of occupancy for the new buildings, our goal is to have $8 million. So we have $2.5 million to continue to raise in our efforts in fulfilling the vision. And so when you entered into the CLC this morning, you should have received your bulletin, which contained inside our three part uh, brochure that has a pledge card on it and also our four generations to come uh, envelope for putting your your and we're asking what we're asking you to do this month is to simply pray individually and as a family of how God might lead you to come alongside it is not the amount that is what Lord is concerned nor us and to give you an illustration for those of you that were here yesterday for our men's event we had a drawing and one of the one of the uh, items that we drew was a brand new gas grill donated by Lowe's. And so the person who, the man who won it, actually donated it back with the stipulation to auction it and to take the proceeds and donate it to four generations to come. And so we auctioned it 
and it brought $200. So we're $200 closer than that number I just shared with you as a result of yesterday. So again, it is not the amount. And uh, you can also give electronically by texting the the number 4 and the letter G to 904-441-6900. Thank you so much, church, for your faithfulness, and God bless. Thanks, Lewis. Hey, uh, just to piggyback off that, what a journey God's taken us on thus far, right? And he's brought us to this point, and I believe that he's going to see us through, right, unto completion. And so thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, As we talk about in faith, sometimes it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So let's keep running, right, church? (laughs) To what he's got ahead of us. So, hey, thank you so much for being here this morning and excited to open God's words with you this morning and and study. And if you've been with us the last couple weeks, we've been going through uh, the Gospel of John, the latter part of the Gospel of John. And Pastor Walter introduced this idea that I want to continue to build on last week. And it's this idea of abiding as we look in the Gospels, in John 15 specifically. And it's really a powerful concept, a powerful foundation for you and I and our faith to understand and under, look, understand what it looks like to abide in our lives. And so uh, I want to build on that as we're going to be looking at the second part of the uh, Gospel of John or John chapter 15. But the word abide in the Greek is the word menio. And it means this, to stay, to remain, to abide, but it also means to expect. It's kind of like stepping out of faith and believing, right? Living a life of expectancy. To continue to exist, to remain in existence. And the idea is this, that when we remain and abide in Christ, and we abide in Christ, we find rest, we find hope, we find healing, we find uh, acceptance, and most importantly, we find love. We find God's love for us in that. And, and, but it's also a place of expectance, that we know how God has been good to us in the past. We have known and we've experienced God's love in our life. And because we have known that, we can expect it in the future. It's a place of faith. And I love this idea. When we talk about abiding, I think an illustration for me is recently my family and I took a trip following after Christmas. It started on the 26th and we'd planned this trip and we planned multiple stops away on our trip. And so I booked a couple different places. And, and so our first stop on, on uh, December 26th, the day after Christmas, is, was this little uh, cabin in the mountains. And so we drove there all day. And it was just like this picturesque moment, like right immediately when we rolled up to the cabin, it started snowing. Like I couldn't have planned it better. And so we got out of the car. My kids are ecstatic. I'm a little excited too. You know, I was running around playing in the snow, you know, and for where we were, it was quite a bit of snow and it kept snowing all the way through the night. And it was like, it was perfect. I couldn't have planned it any better. It was just like uh, this great moment. And so we're playing outside in the snow and, and then, so we get all of our stuff inside and we started unpack and there was a fireplace in the living room. I built a fire and we're just sitting in the living room watching it snow by the fire. I mean, it couldn't have been any better. And so some time went on and I thought, okay, it's probably time for me to make dinner. And so I I started to get dinner going. And uh, about the time I went to go turn on the faucet to, uh, you know, boil some pasta because we were making uh, spaghetti that night, I realized there was no water. And I thought, oh man, here we are in this perfect situation, this perfect place. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And yet there's no water. And when you're not planning to, you know, not have water and you have kids in a family there, it just, it doesn't work out. <laughs> and so uh, after just less than 24 hours of being there, we were like, well, this is just not going to work. We can't stay here. 
And, and so we had to pack everything up, load everybody in the car, I had to scramble to find another place. And, and so we continued on our journey. And uh, the next place we booked, I looked at the pictures, it looked nice. I thought, okay, okay, this, this is the place we're gonna be. We're gonna rest here. We're gonna have time as a family together. This is the place we're gonna abide, right? And so we get to the next place and I looked on the pictures online and then we rolled up to the place and I realized the pictures online did not match the place that we were at. And I thought, wait, wait a second. What's going on here, right? I mean, like, I just, I just want to rest. I just want to be together. And, and, and I get there, and then we get, it was so bad that we, we ended up having to leave. So I had to find another place. And so we packed everything up again. And then we went, and we went to this next place, and we, and we rolled up. And I thought, okay, just please, you know, Lord, let this be a place that works out. And I said, all right, before anybody gets out of the car, I'm going to go inside the house, and I'm going to turn on the sink to make sure the water works. I kid you not. I went into the house, I turned on the sink, and no water came out. <laughs> I felt like I was under attack at this point. You know, like, what, what am I doing wrong? Like, luckily it ended up being, I just had to go under the house and turn the water on, just a small inconvenience, but it worked. But here we are, we're just trying to have some time together as a family, just trying to rest, just trying to be together, and every place that we went to didn't turn out the way that we thought it would, Right? Something was broken. Uh, something didn't look like we thought it would look like. And all we wanted to do was abide, to rest there. And I think when we talk about abiding, that a lot of times we try to abide in the things of the world. We try to find rest. We try to find peace in the things of the world. But a lot like my trip, it only leaves us feeling like things were not quite as they seemed. Things didn't quite work out how I would imagine them. Because see, when we try to find our sense of security, we try to find our rest, our, our, our encouragement, our peace, our sense of love from the things of this world, can I tell you, it always leaves us feeling unsatisfied. This is why it's so important as we look at John 15, Jesus is saying, abide in me. Because when we abide in Christ, we find acceptance, we find peace, we find love, and he loves us for who we are, he cares for us. This is what it means to abide. But some, some incredible things happen. Not only when we abide in Christ do we experience the fullness of God's love, and we're gonna talk a little bit, we experience the fullness of joy in our life. Something else happens in our life. See, when we abide in Christ, we then have the ability to love others well. And so that's kind of what I wanna talk about, abiding in love. I, I wanna build on this idea that Walter left us with and talking about abiding. But I want to also talk about that when we abide in Christ, when we abide in his love and we love him, it gives us the opportunity to love those people in our life as Christ loves us. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I encourage you to turn to John chapter 15. And we're going to pick up in verse 9. And I'm going to invite you, if you can, this morning to please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. And John chapter 15 says this, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Here's that word again. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you that you should bear, go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. See, what we see is this idea of abiding. And, and the first thing that you can write down this morning if you're taking notes is abiding requires action from your heart, soul, and mind. Abiding requires action from your heart, soul, and mind. He says in our passage, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Abide in his love. See, Jesus is referring here to the greatest commandment. Right, And he talks about this multiple times in the gospel, but it's the greatest commandment. It's the commandment that all the other Levitical laws and all the other things were to point to, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, in the Old Testament, this was known as the Shema. It was repeated over and over again, and it comes from Deuteronomy, which said, Hear, O Israel, love, your God, love the Lord your God as one. And as for you, you shall love your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Jesus would say it in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is important. Jesus repeats it over and over again for us to know, for us to live by, to abide in. And it's important as we talk about this greatest commandment, but I think for many of us, when we talk about loving God with all of our heart, with all of our mind and with all our soul, I think maybe for, for me at least, I struggle a little bit to understand what that looks like in my life, practically speaking. And so I wanna break that down a little bit. As we talk about when we love God from our heart, it means that we are embracing God's love for us. We're embracing. And, and typically when you embrace someone or someone's love for you, it's coupled with action, outward action, right? And you think about like, if you love somebody, typically you can tell by the outward expression that you, I mean, maybe it's a hug, maybe it's a handshake, maybe it's a greeting. Uh, these are outward actions that reflect the love that we experience inwardly, right? There's an embrace there. And so in the same way, if we are to embrace God's love for our life, it should be coupled with action in our life. We should walk in obedience. We should, uh, we should love the Lord God. We should spend time with him. There should be outward actions if we're embracing God as, as our savior. 1 John 3.18 kind of highlights this principle. He says, little children, let us not love with our words and speech, but with action and truth. You know, here he's kind of talking about loving others, but I think the principle is the same, right? If we're gonna embrace God's love for our life, it should be followed by action in our lives. Second thing that we talk about is in our mind. <laughs> love the Lord God with your mind. And I love this because this idea that in our mind, it means that we are meditating consistently on God's love and favor for our lives. We think about it. It's on our mind. Psalms 48, nine said this, oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship your temple. See, abiding means that we constantly and consistently fix our mind on the goodness of God's love for us. Scriptures say in Romans, it talks about renewing our minds each and every day. You know, if we don't take time to think about, to meditate, and to focus on God's love and favor in our lives, can I tell you what often happens? Is that we create a space in our minds for the enemy to plant lies and deceit in our mind. 
You know, so much research right now is talking about how anxiety, depression, worry, and fear have really taken a stronghold over our society in people's lives. And, and can I tell you, I, I think a lot of that stems from us not meditating daily on God's love for us. Because I believe when we meditate on the goodness and favor of God, it leaves no room for the enemy to feed us lies. <laughs> but it means daily we've got to meditate on his goodness and favor in our lives. So not only love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, he talks about our soul. And this one can be difficult, but really understanding that our soul is our whole being. Everything about us, everything within us is we are gonna love God. Uh, Psalms 103, David says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, right? It's everything that we have. It's surrender before him. See, how many of you believe that God doesn't want just a part of our lives? God desires all of us. And so if we're gonna love the Lord God with all our soul, it means that we're gonna surrender before him. Everything I have, Lord, is for you. Every part of me is, is created to bring you worship and to honor you. Why is the idea and concept of abiding so important? Because out of a place of abiding comes the ability to deeply and compassionately love others. And so this is the second thing you can write down this morning. Love enables love. <laughs> love enables love. Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> I love that Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that he hasn't already revealed to us, <laughs> that he hasn't already shown to us, right? I love that, that because of the way that he has loved us deeply, we then know how to love others deeply. And, and, I, and I believe that for us to love, we have to abide in his love. We cannot show love without knowing love ourselves. If we're not abiding in his love, we're gonna consistently struggle to love our families well. We're gonna consistently struggle to love our friends well. We're gonna consistently struggle to love uh, our, our coworkers well. Not to mention the people who are mean or rude to us, who are, uh, you know, maybe who cut us off in traffic or uh, those who check out with 100 items in the express lane, right? How are we gonna love those people well if we don't first off know the depths of the love the Father has for us? We need to know his love. You know, let, let me say it like this. When it comes to showing love to another person, you cannot take another person where you have not been yourself. <laughs> you cannot show them something you have not seen with your own eyes. I mean, imagine trying to tell somebody, hey, I wanna lead you to a place, this really special place. I, I would love for you to come with me. I, I, I wanna take you there. But as you're trying to get this person to agree to, to following you, they start asking this question, well, do you know how to get there? No, I don't really know how to get there. <laughs> do you know what it looks like? No, I really don't know what it looks like. <laughs> Well, I mean, are you even sure that it exists? No, I don't even really know if it exists. Is that person gonna follow you? No. For a person to follow you, they wanna know that you have been there before, that you've seen it, you know, the directions to get there. I mean, it's the same way. If we, if we say that we're gonna love one another, if we're gonna show them love, we gotta first know Christ's love in our own lives first. His example, his lordship, his leadership gives us that. 
1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. <laughs> if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have for him, whoever loves God, listen to this, must love his brother. In other words, if we're abiding in Christ, if we're truly abiding, if we love the Lord our God, that we should be loving others. They go hand in hand. Because if the love of the Father abides in us, it's gonna, it's gonna move us. It's gonna challenge us to love others well. You cannot abide if you don't love and live with God. You cannot love if you don't know his love. The only way love is enabled in our life is when we experience God's love in a relationship with him. Love enables love in our life. We need to know his love. Third thing you can write down this morning is the key to joy is love. I, this is incredible. Look at his word. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. <laughs> See, Jesus is saying, hey, not only will you understand and have an understanding of what it looks like to love others well, but he's saying that when you are loving God and loving others well, you are gonna experience the fullest measure of joy in your life. <laughs> Anybody know in here that the, the, the happiest, the most joyful times in your life are when you are loving God and loving others well? I mean, isn't that the most joyful time that you can have in your life, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. Hey, if you love me and you love others well, boy, the measure of joy that you will experience in your life is unfathomable. <laughs> you will know the fullness of joy. You know, uh, illustrate this a little bit. Anybody have their keys? You have your car keys? Pull them out for me if you have them. Dig in your bag real quick, in your pockets. Grab your keys. And when you get them, just give them a little jingle. So I know you got them, right? We got the keys. Okay, that's enough jingling. Okay, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's a joke, all right? So on your keychain, I want you to look at it for just a minute. Examine the keys that you have on there. I think for probably most of us, we, we may have a key to get into the place that we live, right? Our house. Uh, and so hold that key up. Everybody got that key on there, all right? Uh, maybe you've got in there uh, a mailbox key. I don't know if you have a mailbox key. I've got a mailbox key on there. Uh, I've also got uh, a key to get into the church, the place where I work. Maybe, maybe some of you have those keys. Anybody have a car, a car key on there? If you don't like your car key, trade it with your neighbor right now. It's a good time, right? We have these keys on there, right? We have all these key rings. And maybe some of you have some keys on your keychain that you have no idea what they open. I'm gonna be holding a special counseling session after the service if you have those keys on there. You know, I want you to look at your key ring just for one more minute. Does anybody have on their keychain? the key to experiencing joy in their life. Anybody? I don't have it on mine, but you know who does? Jesus does. I want, I want you to look again at your, your key ring. I mean, anybody have a key on there, the keys to eternal life? Anybody have that on their key ring? I don't have it either, but you know who does? Jesus. Look at your key ring one more time. Anybody have a key over there? The keys over death, who's defeated sin, who's conquered the grave and defeated death. Anybody have that key ring on there? Nah, I don't have that key either, but you know who does? Jesus. 
That's the Lord. That's the Savior that we serve. He has some keys that you and I don't have, but because when we put faith in him, when we abide in him, he gives us and grants us access to experience and he unlocks joy in our life. When we put our faith in him, he unlocks the salvation that comes only from him on the cross. And we know through scripture that he has the keys over death and he's defeated sin. And that's only in our faith and our savior, Jesus, that we can experience those things. Amen. Be reminded that as we talk about joy, the knowing the fullness of joy comes from abiding in Jesus and loving him and loving others. Jesus holds the key to joy and for him to unlock joy in your life, you must love him and in turn love others. Fourth thing that you can write down this morning is walking in love brings us closer to Christ. Jesus says this in our past. He says, you, my friends, if you do what I command, you no longer do I call you servants. For servants does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus extends to us the biblical commandment of loving others. And when we follow and embrace the truths of his teaching, we show love and commitment to him. And in turn, Jesus allows us to come in close proximity to him. No longer are we called servants, but we're called friends of the most high king. We were saying earlier, all hail King Jesus. And I wholeheartedly believe that he is king. He is the king of kings. But the king of kings says that when we walk in relationship with him, he is not a distant king, but he is a near king, close to us. What a privilege it is to walk with Jesus and to know him personally. You know, Jesus, the king of kings, invites you and me to get to know him which is pretty remarkable when we think about that Jesus already knows us from inside out. <laughs> he knows every thought, he knows every fear, he knows every hang up that we have in our lives. Yet nevertheless, he invites us to walk in relationship with him. I uh, just got back a few weeks ago from going to Israel and it was an incredible trip. And if you have two hours to burn and you want somebody to talk to about it, I'll be happy to do that, right? It was such an amazing trip. But I keep getting asked, you know, what was the most meaningful part of your trip? And it's hard to narrow it down to one. But uh, for me, one of the most personal times that I had with the Lord over there was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you know, the garden was the place where Jesus voiced the high priestly prayer right before he was taken and crucified. But I, I walked through that garden and we spent some time there. And uh, I, I spent some time just alone in the garden. And I found this olive tree and I sat under this olive tree and I just spent some time with the Lord reflecting on that time that he spent there praying and thinking about maybe this very spot where I was is where Jesus prayed that prayer. But I was, I was sitting there thinking about Jesus praying there and in that prayer that he said, and he said in that prayer, not my will, but your will, Father. When Jesus knew the enormity, the heaviness, of the burden that he was getting ready to take upon his back, the cross. He considered the pain, the agony, the hurt, the rejection that he was gonna go through. And even in the midst of all that, he said that you and I 
were worth it. That you and I were worth enduring the cross. And I thought about under that tree some 2,000 years ago, before I even stepped foot on this earth, that Jesus in the garden, feeling the weight of the burden that he would carry, my sin, the sin of the world, that he was thinking about you and I and how much he loved each and every one of us. And on the cross, the burdens that he carried, he said, you and I were worth it, that he might know us by name, that he might call us friends and walk in relationship to us. This morning, I don't don't know what's going on in your life, but maybe you just needed to hear that Jesus knows you by name. He knows your hurts. He knows your struggles. He knows all the challenges that you have in your life. And yet he absolutely loves you. And he has proven it and he has shown it through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And because he is risen, you and I can have faith and trust in him to be about the one who brings the keys to salvation and hope of eternity through embracing, believing, and accepting what he did for us on the cross. So this morning, as we have a time of invitation, I wanna invite you you know that the Lord Jesus, the King Jesus wants to be in relationship with you because he loves you. Do you know that? The second question is, have you accepted his invitation for you to get to know him? And if you haven't this morning, I pray that this morning you would take that step of faith. And just as we talk about that first commandment to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, that this morning would be an opportunity for you to embrace his love, to think about what he did on the cross, to believe in his unfailing love, but then with everything that you have, surrender unto him. So that this morning, this morning if that's you, I, I invite you, come, come up during this invitation. I'd love to pray with you. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. It's a free gift that you and I can accept. And so I pray that if the Lord is dealing with you this morning, take that next step of faith. And maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to join this church. Wherever he's leading, you follow in obedience this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, God. And we wanna give you all glory and all honor. Father, thank you. Thank you for your immeasurable grace and mercy that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that when we walk with you and we follow after you, Lord Jesus, that you wanna walk in relationship with us. May we not take that for granted. May we not overlook that. Lord, I pray, Father, for anyone here this morning who hasn't uh, said yes to following you, putting their faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray that this morning they would do that. Father, we wanna give you all glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand, let's worship. You come this morning. You come as the Lord leads. Don't leave this place without coming forward or talking to somebody, one of our staff, about that next step that the Lord's leading you. Let's worship this morning. I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh how he loves me I've got a friend He is 
place and we experience the fullness of God's love, that it would bring us to a place of loving others well. God has given us a position. He's given us an opportunity to love this community. So you be his hands and feet. So as we go, let's love well, amen. God bless you, church.